Uh, this morning, if you were at one of the earlier services I was at in North Orleans, I, I spoke about the most famous Bible verse in the world. And I'm going to pick up that theme again tonight and take it in a little bit different direction. Uh, but the, the most famous Bible verse ever. Uh, let's pray and ask God to speak to us uh, before we turn to the Bible. God, thank you you're among us and you love every person in this room. Thank you you have a plan for our lives. Whether this is their first time this evening or they're regulars in the church, I pray tonight you would speak to us, you'd encourage us, you'd build up our faith. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the most famous Bible verse. It's the most memorized Bible verse in the world. It's the Bible verse which you often see appearing at the Olympics, you know, someone standing in the background with a sign, or in football games where they pull off their shirt and there's this thing or a tattoo down their arm. What is the verse? It's John chapter 3, verse 16. Here it's up behind me on the screen. Let's read it together. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Sorry, let's do this. Sorry again. We're going to say this together. I'm going to say one, two, three, and then we'll do it together. All right? Let's try that again. Okay. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Isn't that an amazing verse? I mean, no wonder it's so famous. So it's so famous because it actually sums up the Bible in one verse. It's kind of the message of the Bible, that there's a God in heaven who hasn't quit on the earth. He loves the world. He did something so cosmic, so huge for the world. He gave His one and only Son. It's the message of the Bible. Also, it's the message of how do you find the way to God. It's, it, it's so important because it tells you the way to heaven. It tells you the way to eternal life. It actually tells us why our whole world, our calendar, is divided into B.C. and A.D. It kind of tell, it sums up the whole deal. That's why it's such an important Bible verse. It's also full of the greatest things. For God, the greatest being, so loved the greatest emotion, the world, well, that's us, that He gave, this is the greatest generosity, his only begotten Son. That is his greatest treasure. That whoever believes, that's the greatest offer, shall have, that's the greatest assurance, everlasting, eternal life. That is the greatest blessing. So it's the greatest verse because it contains the greatest things. And let me just, uh, just, just unpack it like I did this morning. Very simply, how many words are in the verse? There's no pri prizes tonight. Robert was here. Thank you, Robert. 25 words in the verse. And what you see is divided in two. So the first part of the verse is about God's response to us. And the second part of the verse is about our response to God. First 12 words is God's response to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And then the last 12 words are about our response to God. That whoever, that's us, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And the word in the middle, there's one word right in the middle. What's the middle word? The very word in the middle, word number 13 is son. And it's like Jesus is right there between God's response to us and our response to God. There's Jesus. Almost like the bridge, bridging heaven and earth making it possible for earth to connect with heaven, making it possible for God's love to flow to us. You see, the Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men could become the sons of God. God came to rescue us 
and give us this encounter with God. So, three things very simply. First thing is this. This verse is the greatest because it describes the greatest love, and that's the first 12 words. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So, why is this the greatest love? It says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18, may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. How wide is God's love? Well, it's wide enough to be everywhere. That's how wide God's love is. David's in the Old Testament, David is a famous king, and David in the Psalms, David said this, Psalm 139 verses 7 to 10, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Anyone ever tried to run from God's presence? Be honest. Okay, you're not being honest. Okay, thank you, thank you. There's a few of your hands going up. Yeah? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you will be there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, if you're trying to run away from God, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Anyone experienced that? You've been trying to run away and God's held you fast. Even though you have got a weak grip on God, God's got a strong grip on you. You know David who wrote this? There's a crazy moment in the middle of his life. I mean, he was a great king. He was one of the heroes, the Bible heroes. He killed Goliath, one of the great heroes, a man of God. And yet in the middle of his life, he went AWOL. Went, he, he lusted after a woman, ended up committing adultery. Next thing you know, to cover his tracks, he kills a guy. Crazy. A man of God. Committing adultery and murder. Even if I commit adultery and murder your hand will hold me fast. I try and run away from God. He chases after me. How wide is the love of God? It's so wide that even if you do the craziest things in life, and this is not an excuse to do crazy things, but the amazing good news is this, because some of us have done crazy things, and the amazing good news is this, even if you thought you were running away from God, even there, God will hold you fast. Isn't that incredible? Thank you, Steph. There's someone enthusiastic about that. I'm just going to talk to you from now on. Thank you for being so Ignore them. They're boring and bland. They're not getting We're talking about the most amazing things, and you're the only one getting it. Thank you, Steph. Even there, your hand will hold me fast. Anyone else enthusiastic about that one? That's good news. He's got you. He's got you more than you've got him. So it's wide. There's no place you can go where God's love isn't. You may feel alone, but the truth is you will never be alone. When Jesus was interacting about, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he was actually in discussion with a very religious man, a man called Nicodemus. He was a Jew. He was part of the Jewish Sanhedrin. That means he was, uh, he was one of the Hegeans. <laughs> I just made that right there. Uh, so he, that's like one of the 70 elders who looked after Israel. I mean, he was like one of the, the elites and he was, a, he, he was called the teacher of Israel. So he was a famous Bible teacher. And Jesus was interacting with him, and J- J- Nicodemus was asking him questions about eternal life and about the way to God and all these things. And Jesus told him, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that was a bit of big news for Nicodemus. 
because the Jews believed that the world, that's the Greek word cosmos, that the world was not loved by God. The Jews were loved by God, but not the rest of the world. God was going to judge the rest of the world, but the Jews would be saved. So when Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're the teacher of Israel, you're the elite in Israel, you need to know God so loved the world, he was telling Nicodemus how wide the love of God is. That this love of God is an amazing love. It's a, wor- it's a worldwide love. According to the Population Rep- Reference Bureau, who chart the world population, on planet Earth, 106 billion people in all history have lived. That's the population historically on Earth. 106 billion people. And you know, there is not one of them that God hasn't loved with all his heart and soul. There's not one of them. There's not one of them that God wouldn't have laid his life, and he did lay his life down for. I used this illustration this morning. Let me, let me illustrate again. See, in the beginning of time, God created the whole world, the planet, the oceans, the trees, the animals, everything. But then the pinnacle of his creation, the final stage of his creation was the most important. Like the stage was set, and then he created in a different way. He created mankind in his own image. And at the beginning, God loved the world. He was in relationship with mankind, and mankind was in relationship with God. There was perfect harmony between God and man. God would walk with mankind in the cool of the day. But the tragedy happened in Genesis chapter 3 when mankind rejected God, and all of a sudden there was a gulf that should never have been there. And that gulf, the Bible calls sin. Sin came into the world, and it became a dividing point between God and man. And God was divided from man, and man was divided from God. In fact, man had turned his back on God and no longer wanted to love or follow God. Mankind decided we want to go our own way. And that's where all the problems on earth, everything, every suffering, every disease, every corruption, everything that's gone wrong is because of this moment when mankind rejected God. It's called sin. But the question is, does God still love the world? And the answer is absolutely yes. God, when it says God so loved the world, he's not talking about the world that loves him. It's talking about God so loved the world, the world that doesn't love him. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still shaking our fists at him, while we were still ignoring him, while we would just blame him for when things go bad and never thank him when things go good, we're completely inconsistent. We live like he's not there, yet in our heart of hearts we know he is there. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were rejecting God, God chose and loved you. Isn't that amazing? And that's the good news. How wide is the love of God? Well, it's so wide, it's everywhere. How long is the love of God? Well, it's long enough to last forever. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. That blows your minds. Even before the whole cosmos was made, even before the planets were set in motion, even before this whole world was created, he knew you and he loved you and he chose you. That blows me away. Before you started, before you even started, he started loving you before you started. That blows me away. And not only was was his love preceding your existence, his love will last forever. His love towards you will last forever. There's never going to come a point where his love will not, will not be loving you. You see, human love doesn't always work out. Sometimes it wears out. 
but God's love will never stop loving you. People may walk out on you, but God will never walk out of you. He always walks in, and that's the good news. It is a long love, long haul, long haul, eternally long haul. He eternally loved you from eternity past to eternity future because God is love. The only reason there's love in this whole universe is because God is love. The only reason you can give and receive love is because you were created in the image of God who is love. And it's a high and a deep love. It's wide, it's long, but it's high and deep. No matter how deep your pit is, God's love can reach you. It's a deep love. I love what Tim Keller says. He, He said it so well. He said this. He said, to be loved and not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not loved, well, that's our greatest fear. If they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. To be known and not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that's a lot like being loved by God. He knows everything about you. And he loves you more than anyone ever could. And Tim Keller goes on and says, it's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. It fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. To know, be, to know that you're fully known and truly loved, and that blows us away. So the greatest love, that leads to the greatest sacrifice. So the first 12 words were about God's response to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And then it comes to the middle word. Son. Jesus came. God became a man. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came into the world. Hallmark cards, their slogan is, when you care enough to see, when you care enough, you send the very best. And that's exactly what God did. You see, God so loved the world, he didn't send an angel. He didn't send a good teacher. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a representative. He so loved the world that he sent his only son, which is actually him coming himself. It says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For to us a child is born, Jesus is born. To us a son is given. Now we we understand a child being born, that's human. We were born. But a son being given, well that's different. That indicates that he preceded birth. We didn't precede birth, we started to exist at birth. Jesus, however, he existed eternally. He is the eternal creator. He, He is the one who created all things. He entered into this world but he preceded birth. He existed before birth. A son was given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. In other words, he's the authentic ruler of earth. And the government rests upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? Counselor. He gets real intimate with you. Mighty God. Oh, the son is mighty God? Yes, he is. Everlasting Father. That will mind 
bend your mind. So the Son is the everlasting Father? Uh Uh-huh. Just say amen. Don't try and figure it out. Just say amen. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Wow. So this one who entered into the world, see, God has eternally existed as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are distinct persons, and yet it's not three beings, it's one being. One being, three persons. That's crazy, because I see three persons here, and I also see three beings, and that's our confusion. When it comes to God, it's not three gods, it's one God who's eternally existed in three persons. Distinct persons, and yet one God. It's incredible. It's incredible. But that's why God is love, because He's eternally existed in relationship. He couldn't have been love if He hadn't existed eternally in relationship. He didn't create us out of a neediness, because He was complete in Himself. He created us because He wanted to share the love He has eternally enjoyed in relationship within His Trinitarian nature. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And He had to be fully man in order to save us. And He had to be fully God in order to save us. He had to be fully man in order to be our substitute, the one who would take our place in that moment on the cross. And He had to be fully God for that act on the cross 2,000 years ago to become an eternal act where 2,018 years later, it would still have an impact like you were standing at the very foot of the cross and His blood was actually dripping on you. It's that powerful, that poignant tonight. You can be cleansed, you can be forgiven by the mighty sacrifice of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's amazing. So Jesus comes, and this is the opposite of all religions, because religion says, oh, we've got to earn our way to God. But Christianity was about God coming to us. And it's totally different to all the fairy tales, because all the fairy tale stories are about the people die for the king. But in this story, the king dies for the people. See, the old saying is true. If you want something done right, you do it yourself. And that's what God did. God did it all himself. He didn't meet us halfway. He went the whole way. And that's how much he loves you. So as you go into this Christmas season, don't ever doubt your love. You're so loved. Immensely loved. Loved by God. And Jesus Christ, he's like the bridge. Just like in that verse, son is the word in the middle with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus becomes the bridge, bridging heaven to earth. And through Jesus and through Jesus alone, because he's the only one who died for you and rose again, through Jesus and Jesus alone, you can have an existence with God, a relationship with God, an ongoing connection with God right here and now, and when you die, on, on into eternity. That's the amazing news. My friend Michael works for Saatchi and Saatchi, advertising agency in London. And he was asked by the museum in, Brazil, in, in Seville to do some research into a marketing campaign for the museum. And the problem was, it was a great museum, but not many people were going to the museum. So they started doing the research and checking it out and trying to figure out what was going wrong here because they could see the museum was an amazing museum, incredible exhibits, incredible displays, very well made, good building, and yet not many people were going. So actually what they discovered was the problem wasn't the museum, the problem was its location. It was across the other side of the river from the main part of where the population were. So actually, they, they suggested this. Instead of us get, using your advertising budget to advertise, use the budget to build a bridge. So that's what they did. 
they built a bridge near the museum, linking the museum to the main other part of the population across the river. And all of a sudden, so their solution was a bridge. And God's solution, you see, there's nothing wrong with heaven. It's never been greater. And it didn't need better advertising. What we needed was a bridge because there was an eternal gulf between us and God, and that gulf was sin. And Jesus Christ, the sinless Savior, died on behalf of us sinners. He was the only one qualified to do it, and he died in your place so that you can know that eternal life. The greatest love led to the greatest sacrifice, and it makes today available the greatest offer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the last 12 words describes our response to him, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, how many people know one day we're all going to be in our deathbeds? There's a morbid thought for the night, but it's true. It's really true. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. People don't talk about it, but let's talk about it. One day we're going to be there. And on that day, I want you to be completely at peace. I want you to be not worried one bit. And I, I'm not saying that of bravado. I, I genuinely want you to be at a place where you're, you're absolutely okay. Because you're not basing your confidence on, I was such a good person. Because not one of us is. Remember the gulf? But there in that moment, you're basing your confidence completely on Jesus Christ. He, his righteousness has been given to you. You've been cleansed, you've been forgiven, your judgment's already passed. You're not going to face judgment when you die because the judgment was dealt out on Jesus. Your judgment was dealt on Jesus. Your judgment has happened. It's not up ahead, it has happened. And that's the incredible news. You shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, how do you get that? Well, you get that by believing, and the Greek word is pistos, and it means to trust. It means to totally, totally trust. Joanne, could you, could you come and help me for a second? Thank you very much, John. Come up here. You don't need to take your scarf off. You can. <laughs> come, come and stand up here. Have you, have you come? Okay. Good to see you. See How's you. life? Good. That's great. Okay. <laughs> up until this point. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. So close your eyes, John. Tr trust me. Trust okay. me. Okay. So close your eyes mm -hmm. and turn around. Just keep keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Keep turning. Keep turning. Keep turning. Keep turning, keep turning, keep turning, keep turning. Okay, stop. Now open your eyes. Look at me. Trust me. Fall backwards. Go. <laughs> Let's see Richard Joanne. Thank you. Her eyes went very dilated for a second or two until that moment when she felt the hands. <laughs> Thanks, Joanne. You're a very brave girl. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you, Dan, for being trustworthy. <laughs> That's what it means to trust. See, it's not believing in the vague notion that, oh yeah, I do believe that Jesus is there and I think he did those things for me. No, no. It's actually laying your life in his hands. It's actually, it's not just believing that the bridge exists. It's actually getting in the car and driving across that bridge. It's getting to this place because it's in this place you're back in relationship with God. You're in Christ. You've come. You're part of the body of Christ. You're in relationship with God. You're in Christ and you are loved. You are as loved as Jesus. You are as accepted as Jesus is accepted. You are as close to the Father as Jesus is to the Father. You are in Christ. And that's what it means to believe in Jesus. 
You see, to make it really clear, faith is active, it's not passive. Later on in John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, it kind of repeats the point. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has eternal life. That's the same point as John 3, 16. And anyone who doesn't obey the Son has never experienced eternal life, but remains under God's anger, angry judgment. In other words, if you don't believe in the Son, you're, you're still outside of that place of safety. You're still under the wrath of God because you're still living away from God. God doesn't want that to be so he, because He loves the world so much. He doesn't want you to be that, but that's your choice. But if you believe in the Son, and notice how it says, if you don't believe, it doesn't, it doesn't say if you believe and if you don't believe. It says if you believe and if you don't obey. Do you see that? You see that in the verse? The opposite of believing isn't unbelieving. It's disobedience. And so you need to understand faith isn't just an academic thing. Faith is, I'm living my life for Him. Faith equals follow. Faith equals follow. It's not just believe vaguely, oh yeah, but, all right, I want to go to heaven. I'll believe in Jesus. Well, and, and the rest of your life, you don't ignore Him and you don't follow Him. No, true faith means you truly trust Him. You actually place your life in His hands. You, you're following Jesus. And faith is continual. Let me read you the literal translation of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that every single one without exception constantly exercising faith in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Constantly exercising faith in him. The word faith isn't just a one-off moment. Oh yeah, I put my faith in him way back then. It's, it's a continual faith you've got in your heart in Jesus. And it's a gift from God. And it's just, it's just, I, just I trust him. I trust him to be my savior. When I was 15, I trusted Jesus to be my savior. But I'm 40, 43. No! <laughs> I thought I was 42 for a second. Now I'm 40. Man, I'm 43. So now I'm 43, okay? I'm 43. And today, I trust Jesus to be my Savior. I, I mean, I trusted him back then, but that faith is continual. I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm hanging on. In fact, you know what? So I'm not just hanging on to me. He's got me. He's got me stronger than I've got him, and he's got you if you're a believer tonight. Let's just pray. Let's just take a moment. Let's thank him for his salvation. If you're saved tonight, if you're hey, saved Imagine being saved. Wow. Pinch yourself and think, that's amazing. All right, so just take a moment. Thank him for his salvation. And if you're not saved tonight, you can be. Tonight, right here in this room, if you don't know God tonight, right where you are, you can reach out and you can know him tonight. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your salvation. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life and thank you tonight God that offer is available and it's your delight to give that gift of eternal life thank you God your love has never been stronger thank you your desire for us has never been more strong. And God, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your love. Thank you, God, you weren't passive. Thank you, you intervened. Thank you, you came for us. Thank you. Each one of you in God's presence, take a moment, just pray your response to God. Thank him for his salvation. Thank him that he's wonderful counselor. 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity this evening. If, if you're not yet connected with God, I'm not asking, do you vaguely believe in Jesus? I'm asking, have you truly, truly put your faith in Jesus? If tonight you've never done that yet, then tonight's your night. Go for it. Make the greatest and best decision of your life. And just like Joanne leant back and trusted a word and she, she was caught. So tonight, why not you step out and just literally place your life in his hands. And if that's you this evening, I want to just give you an opportunity to do that just very simply. I'll pray a prayer and I invite you to pray this prayer after me under your breath, quietly between you and God. If you want to put your trust in Jesus tonight, repeat this after me. Dear Lord God, thank you for loving me. And Jesus, thank you so much in your love. You came into this world and you died in my place. You died in the cross so I could be forgiven. And on the third day, I believe you rose again. Tonight, I'm stepping out I'm placing my faith in you, Jesus. Be my savior. I trust you now. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for accepting me. Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, and tonight you put your faith in Jesus, I'd love to pray for you and ask God to bless you. Just wherever you are in this room, if tonight that was a decision you made, could you just simply raise your hand? Just raise your hand quickly and then pop it down again. Thanks, mate. Is there anyone else? Just nice and clear so I can see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? God, thank you for these three friends. Before I pray, is there anyone else? Just before I pray, any last person? That's, that's you tonight. You prayed that prayer. Okay. God, thank you so much for these precious people tonight who in your presence have just, they've just trusted you. They've just placed their life in your hands. And God, you've heard their prayer. The Bible says, whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life and right now they've believed in Jesus and thank you your word is true that they're not going to perish now you've just given them eternal life and I pray right now let them know forgiveness let them know your acceptance let this be the beginning of a great journey with God let them now follow Jesus through the hard times and through the good times no matter what life throws their way let them follow Jesus not run from God but run to God bless them now God as they embark on this journey with you in Jesus name Amen